Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV and radio presenter, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a Black British innovator. In my opinion, he's mastered acting, writing, producing, directing, podcasting, and being an all-round advocate for the culture. I'm very happy to be sitting down with the award-winning actor and filmmaker, Femi Oyeniran. Yes. Yes, sister. <laughs> yes, Ramel London. What's going on? Do you know what? No, I have to publicly say it. I've been saying this man's name wrong for years. It's mental. It's actually bad because we're actually friends. You've all had years to get used to my name now as well. It's mad. You know what I do on the news? It's like, oh, yay, me, Ran. Oh, the joke is, you've to- I've interviewed you before and you actually told me how to, spell- to-, to, say, to it. say it. To say yeah. I have to keep this in just to shame myself. No, do it, man. Let the people them know. <laughs> Let them know. Let Listen, them know. put some respect on his name. No, you have to. I think it's important. Do you know what yeah, it is? I'll tell real. you why I insist on my name. So a lot of actors shorten their names and stuff. Yeah. So when I left Nigeria as a 10-year-old, my granddad said to me, when you get to England, don't change your name. Love that. That's real. And that's very, And very... that's really, that really, so I could make my name Femi Oye. It's true, you know. I can just shorten it, right? It's true. Maybe when I get to America, they'll make me do it. Nah, said when I get to England, not when I get to America. No, nah, like, <laughs> like people always say, if we could say Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, we could say everyone else's name. We could say Femi Oyeniran. There we go. But like, you know, my grandfather said that to me. And from there, like, even like when I became an actor, people were yeah. like, oh, aren't you going to change? Because remember, it never used to be cool to be. I came out when it went cool to be African, you know. I hear you. I I've hear been you. out for 18 years. I've been outside 18, 19 years. So Kid Up came out. I did it in 2004, but it came out in 2006. So right. I've been out for a long time, right? And um, so about 16, 17, you know, publicly known. Yeah. But like, I made the film years before. People were like, why don't you change your name? And I was like... That's crazy. I can't because my granddad told me not to. Do you know what? If I hadn't have mispronounced your name, we wouldn't have had that amazing wisdom from your granddad. Exactly. So yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you, granddad. Um, so now I have to say, officially, Femi Oyeniran. Welcome to the mainstream. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really grateful. Nah, man. I'm so excited. I mean, I feel like in this mini intro, you've already recapped on so much of your life. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. So let's get straight into it. So yeah. let's let's talk about that. You you grew up in Nigeria. Mm. You moved here when you was ten. Um, what was your first thoughts of the UK? It wasn't nice. I thought I oh, thought gosh. I used to watch Sound of Music and them things there, and I thought England was like Sound of Music. Oh, that was a very bad depiction of Imagine that, and then and then I get to London and I live on an estate. I didn't, even, I never even seen an estate before. So because I, I lived in like with my aunt in Lagos, I lived in like my town with my grandparents. Then I moved to my aunt's in Lagos, and she right. had like what would be described as like a mansion here, of course, and like huge property. And um, that was where I lived before I came to England. And wow. then I moved there. I remember like. I was telling this story before. I remember I, I moved into like a two-bedroom flat in Holloway um, with my family, with my mom, my stepdad, my sister. I think my cousin was staying with us at the time as well. Yeah. And I was, I remember going to the flat. And my mom was showing me around the flat, and I was waiting to see the rest of it. Oh my gosh! You were like, "Is that?" Imagine it? this. Imagine I walk into the flat and I'm waiting to see the rest of it. <laughs> I nah, thought I, all you it, I, thought, I thought there was like. I remember always thinking maybe there's like something beyond the bathroom. Oh, it was really like mind blowing for me. You could imagine fair, like, you know, I've never lived in such like small accommodation before. So I just find it like, even like when I lived with my grandparents, like they weren't mad rich yeah. in my hometown, but their, their, their house wasn't that small. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So like it just felt small, like it just felt. And so psychologically that that was a bit weird. 
And then I went to school and then people used to bully me because I had a Nigerian accent. Wow. And then until like I beat up this kid, like you had to then, show them. And then he never did it again. <laughs> and then um and just adapting to the weather and stuff like that. And oh so gosh. there's so much to adapt yeah. to. It's and true. then so but people never think about it. Like, yeah. you know, people always think like, oh, these kids. And also when you're like a migrant kid, there's like a stigma attached to being from abroad in England. Yeah. And so then people assume lots about you. People assume that I wasn't an immigrant or nothing like that. I wasn't mm. a refugee, sorry. There we go, yeah. Like, I wasn't a refugee, but I was an immigrant, so to speak. Like, and, and, and so I was coming to join my mum in England who had lived there with my you know, sister, my stepdad and that. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, people just think you're a refugee or something. Yeah. And so like, I remember being put in uh, English as a second language with like these other kids, but I could speak English. I just had an accent. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I was put with like some kid from Kosovo because remember they had the war. So I yeah. came in in 97. Okay. They had a war and loads of Kosovan kids moved over. Right. And I remember being put with this kid from Kosovo and another kid from Colombia and they couldn't even speak English. And I was thinking... Like, but I can speak English, I just have an accent. So yeah. there's a lot of prejudice that, you know, you have to over, there's like an extra layer. So already like you're, you're, you're black, but I didn't even know I was black. That's another conversation. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Already you're black. And then on top of that, you're like a refugee or people think you're a refugee. And so Jeez. they're treating you accordingly. And so like, it was tricky. But then before I came to England, also I was Nigerian. I wasn't black. Yeah. And so like in the West, you've got this label of being black. Obviously now I say I'm black British and da 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 da. Yeah. But you get this label of being black. But I didn't even know what it meant to be black. So I had to learn what it meant to be black. And what it meant to be black was all these negative stereotypes that people attached to you. That's crazy. So it was all of that. That is a lot. As a 10-year-old. Yeah, as a 10-year-old. And so obviously now I can articulate it. But at yeah. the time, I don't even know what I'm going through. Like, you know. What what an experience. I mean, mm. like you said, there's so many things that I guess we wouldn't have noticed. Like you said, you went from a mansion to a to a council estate, like, whoa, that is that is a different, you know, perspective that no one really thinks about. So mm. that's really, really interesting. And yes, it it's sad to hear that it wasn't a a welcoming yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, I'm here. I'm thriving, right? Yeah, and so it takes, if a kid moved from here to Nigeria, it would be different. Like, you know, yeah. there's always like, you know, that upheaval. Like, my kids are moving from one area to the other right. at the moment. And they're like, oh my gosh, my friends did it. But <laughs> yeah. it's all, it's, it's a lot, you know, yeah. as a kid. And like, the thing about children, though, what I've learned, like, because I've got two kids now, the thing that what I've learned about children is that children are resilient and like adapt very easily. Definitely. Not, Obviously not mad easily because obviously everyone, things are hard for everyone. Yeah. I feel like children adapt more easily than adults. And so That's I feel fair. like, you know, from my experience with my children, like it's not true of all children, but my limited experience with my two children, uh, I, I think, you know, because of that, I was able to figure out the lay of the land and mm. how to survive within this new environment. Wow, that's amazing. That's a great insight. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, really good. Thank you. Um, okay, so talking about this young, young 10-year-old Femi, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're adjusting to UK, London life, proper North London as well. Big yeah, up. Have to represent. <laughs> and um, when did you decide that acting was going to be a part of your life? Like, how did, did you, did you have a plan? Did you, you know, was you told doctor lawyer or accountant you know what yeah i was always very academic right okay. and 
are always got good grades because the thing is like actually primary school education in Nigeria in Africa is better than primary school education here I've they heard. teach you a lot more it's like they fit a lot more into that period right. whereas like here it's more like learning through play type thing okay, and, like, and yeah. it's not really super academic there's no yeah. pressure on you to like be super academic till it steps up at secondary school then it steps up at college then yeah. it super steps up at uni yeah right so unis here are fantastic some of the best in the world right but up until there it's like you know an African kid could come and outperform a lot of people academically, I reckon. Yeah, and enough. so when I came here, I wasn't really learning. And so like, I did, I, I was always academic. I was always into school. Like, I remember like, you know, for me to go to school in Nigeria before I moved there, my mum was paying for me to go to private school because wow. the public schools were shot because the, the government weren't paying the teachers. Right. And so ultimately me coming in and the school's free and everything's free. I was like, rah, like, and like my friends didn't like studying. I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't like studying? This is <laughs> this is your only job as a kid. <laughs> your only wow. job as a kid is to learn. That's how you know you're a parent. No, now, but right? that's your job. Like you have no other jobs. <laughs> no, that's I mean that's literally true. that's your only job as a kid. But like kids here think their only job is to have fun. Okay, I agree. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Whereas, as because I was African, I was lived in Nigeria. Yeah, my uh, that's why African kids come in and do good. People are like, oh, it's because of their parents. No, it's because of them. Wow. Because yeah. you're you know that like, you appreciate the ability to study, like yeah. you get, and, and you're able to. You're a bit more serious, I reckon. Right. And so then, like, I remember I was always into performing though. Okay. And so I remember, like, you know. Like people used to come to visit my aunt from England. They used to make a joke that, oh, like I was like, um, we lived in an area called Bagada, and they used to call me Radio Bagada because I love talking and cracking oh, jokes wow. so much. And I used to chat like all the time to the <laughs> adults and like just talk nonstop and like be be like doing impersonations and talking and stuff. Wow. And so then, I remember I was always doing theatre stuff and all of that stuff and I remember going to college and I, I, I was on um, I went to an open audition for Kidhood and then I no. got a row in Kidhood just an open audition just like that yeah kind of yeah so like No Clark who went to my college at the time okay. was auditioning people from his old college he went to my college 10 years before because he's 10 years right. older than me right 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 and, and so then he was auditioning new talent from his college and that was how I got the row in Kidhood it was around here I went to Labrador Grove wow. um, St Charles College in Labrador Grove that's so, yeah. crazy. Mm. I didn't know it was that simple. Like I thought you genuinely could have been a drama kid or No, I wasn't a drama kid at all. I was um I was um definitely my mum went paying for me to go to no drama school. Like, you know, it wasn't it was like my mum was still serious about I remember there was one time I got dropped from set one to set three in school because I was just playing about and I didn't take Are you it serious. serious. They, what in in England, in, they do that. Yeah, in my in my school, they did in wow. St Aloysius That's at the time. They deep. did that. And so my mum went to school during parents. Even she was like, "What's the textbook?" She bought the textbook. Wow. For home. <laughs> Sorry, that is that is serious because we all she used went, and abused she those the books. Textbook. She, she went it. and bought it so that I could work on it oh at home. Gosh, she was serious because she was like, "What do you mean you're in set set free for math? So you're all right." Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it was she like did, she, she it. was on it, like and 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 so. But anyway, so I auditioned for this film, got the role. Um, about a year and a half. It's a long story to go with. Yeah, it. yeah. But the short version is, No Clark went to my college. He wanted to um, audition new talent for his new film, Kid Hearted, for his only film. He hadn't made a film at the time. Right. Yeah. I got the role in the film, and the rest is history. So okay, speaking of mum, 
who's buying textbooks for home use. <laughs> like, mm. How was, what was her reaction when you said I'm going to be in a film? She didn't really think it was serious. Like, cause really? It was like, and Kid Otter wasn't a big film. It was a small film in that I used to catch bus to work. Like I used to catch okay. like, so I remember the, the call time was like 6am or sometimes half five in the morning. Yeah. I'm 17 at the time, about to turn 18. Literally about a month away from turning 18. Wow. I remember they would give you a call time and then you had to get to work on the call time. But then I was catching bus till the train. Because remember the train tube stations don't open till like half five or something. Yeah. So I was catching bus to the tube until it ho- opened oh and then catching the train but i had a work ethic because my mom had a work ethic yeah, so true. i saw my mom working hard so that i remember being on set as well i remember like up in between scenes i'll be working on my college work no and way. the producer will be like what are you doing like i'll be like no i'm in college like i've got exams <laughs> i've got exams back in the day I used to do a level exams in january yeah. and june oh back in the day like you're not much older than me about back in the day no they did though when i did but they changed it like a year or two years after oh I left. really oh it's like back in the day uni tuition fees was like oh. 1,100. Okay, let's, let's not and hurt so, but, everyone's feelings now. But like now. a year or two years after me, they changed. So yeah, like, true. I, a lot changed within a year or two years of me true. leaving school. So like I'm part of that. Fair. On the cusp generation type yeah, thing. And so, <laughs> and so um, I remember they used to do A-level exams in January and June. And I had January exams coming up. We shot Kid Out in November, December. Oof, and yeah. I remember like doing revision. And I remember coming out. I, d- I remember I had a history exam. I think I did better than everyone else that was in class. What? I got the best grade. Because of mum's textbooks. That's <laughs> you No, know? you know. And so, and so, yeah. So ultimately, I was always driven. Yeah. Like, so it was my mum was pushing me 100% because I was like, I was a bit of a rude boy as well. So I used to get in trouble. I used to oh, fight. Gosh. I used to do all of that. I used to like get in trouble for talking too much in wow. class. I was all of that, but I got good grades. So yeah, you it's one of those so it was ones. Like one of like, I was one of them annoying kids. Like, yeah, because you can't even say, "Oh, look at you!" If you worked harder, you're like, "No, nah, yeah, but I'm but working hard." I'm working hard. <laughs> I just like talking to my boys. I'm what? <laughs> no, I can tell. I, I, I'm so glad I am not your teacher because that would stress. Just like, me. like talking to my friends. So what? <laughs> I got an A. You can get better grades. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm the best in the class. Yeah, exactly. So it was one. It was all of that energy, and so like Love I was one of though. those kids. But at the same time, you know, at the time, I, I, we all didn't think Kid Otter was gonna be what it was. That's interesting because I was thinking, like, you know, that it's not a normal thing to be at college and then be filming for a film. So was you? Was you gassed? Like, was you excited? Was you? I was. Of course, I was excited, okay. and like I thought it was mad. You know. Remember, I'm a normal kid, yeah. Oh, I'm a normal kid from ends. Right, right, So right. I'm from ends, like, you know, at this point. I'm not from Nigeria no more. Yeah. I'm from ends. <laughs> You've established yeah? yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm in ends now, yeah. So I'm 16, 17. Yeah. The funny thing is, Kid Otto got casted, yeah, when I was 16. Right. First time. And I went back to the ends. I told all the man them I'm going to be in a film. And, I met, and then they didn't get the money to make it for another year. And I had to re-audition. And I what? remember the man them in that year saying, well, what happened to the film you said you was going to be in? I thought you were in a film. Oh, you know that like people in Enzo are rough, you know. They can really make you feel bad. 
for that showing is, off. I'm from the ends, so I know all the guys. You know when you're about? showing off. You know when you show off to ends, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. doing that." I'm like, everyone's like, "Where's your film? Where's that film that you were talking about?" And and they're just making fun of you. And yeah. then the film doesn't happen. And then a year later, it happens. But I was gassed. But I was silently gassed okay. because I had already learnt my lesson. Fair. Not yeah. to like be too cocky. That do you know what? Sometimes life will humble you. Yeah. And so from that, I learned, like, you know, don't hype too much. Yeah. And then Kiddo didn't come out for 18 months. Jeez. Remember, a few months before it came out, remember, I went, I was at uni at this point. So yep. I started London School of Economics. I was studying law. So I'm at uni. So I did Kiddo, did my A-levels, got my grades. Everyone's, my teachers were like, oh, why don't you take a gap here to do acting? I'm looking at them like, are you mad, bro? Wait, your actual college law? Te- no, no, oh, I college, wasn't on college. law. Okay, cool, cool, my college teacher... I, after A level, one of them was like, "Oh, so you did acting? Why don't you?" I was looking at him like, "Bro, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've got a, I've got a law degree space at London School of Economics. Wow. If I'm gonna try to do acting, I don't care about acting. Like the oh, film wow. that I done's not even come out. I don't, I've never even heard from them. So that's, do you know what? That is so unusual because it's usually the teachers that are saying you're, you're never gonna make it. These ones that this one was actually encouraging you yeah, to go but, out. But he thought I was like in the position, like, you know, it's like, you know, middle-class white kids take gap years all the time. True, true. The, okay, and he, he was thought... just saying, take a gap year to do all that. I was looking at him like, bro, like. <laughs> that's not myself. I'm going to LSE. I'm doing a law degree. Like, yeah. that's lit. Like, do you know what I mean? You yeah. think I'm going to take a gap year to do acting? What, for them not to tell me when the film's coming out? Fair. Yeah. Do you at get what I'm least saying? you knew that yeah. Your degree was certain. Yeah, exactly. The film, yeah. The that film, I still didn't know when it was coming out. And I remember, like, um, I was in my first few months in LSE, and then they had a screening for the film. And I invited all my friends from college. I think I met, we, we were allowed 10 people on a guest list. Oh, wow. Remember, I invited 10 people. They had a screening at Empire, Leicester Square. It's now Sydney World in Leicester Square. And they showed it to distribution companies. I didn't know what it was at the time, but right. now I do. And, like... I remember watching it and thinking, wow, I was so scared. I couldn't sleep the night before because really? I'd never I'd never even heard myself speak. It sounds mad because now we've got social media and one video and one yeah. film and we hear ourselves all the time. Yeah. But at that point, I didn't even know what I sounded like. No, that's fair. That's fair. And I was scared that I was going to be bad in the film, but luckily I was good in that film. I've been bad in films before, but I wasn't bad in that one. Honest. And so then I was good in that film. And um, and I remember thinking, feeling on top of the world. Do you know what's mad? Melamine, yeah, he's got video footage of all of us coming out of that screening. I hope he's digitised them and he's still got them. I'd love to watch though that stuff again. Because yeah. Amel used to film everything at that time. That's amazing. They had like a camcorder and he used to film everything. And I remember his cousin, I remember them filming us outside the cinema. And the film came out, it did its thing and, you know, and here we are, really. Yeah, literally, the rest is history. That's so interesting because I feel like that sounds like a crash course into getting in the film industry. Yeah, I mean, no no one... The thing is, people always ask me how to get into films or how I got into it. My journey is not conventional. Yeah. No one journey is the same. And so I just feel like all of, what the only thing, my, my, my main thing that I've learned about the film and TV industry as talent and as behind the scenes is that you um you get opportunities no one owes you nothing and you get what you work for true do you get what i'm saying very true and so if you work hard and you hustle and you knock on doors and like the people that do that that are not talented 
sometimes get through. Again, very true. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not even about talent. It's yeah. about it's about talent and drive. Yeah. Or it's about drive more than talent. That is drive plus talent. Proven. But there's a model that just the only model that works is your drive. The only model that works is like if you want to be an actor, you want to be in one of my films. The only model that works is like emailing me, DMing me, like messaging me all the time, sending me work that you've done. Yeah. Even if I don't get back to you. Yeah. It's the only model that works. Persistence. 100%. And I've seen it a million times. Wow. Like with music, with acting, with everything. Like the people that are, consistency is key like Ooh, in this yeah. industry. And also, you're never going to get what you deserve. Oh. You have to take what you feel you deserve. You have to go and get it. Damn, that was a punch. No, you're not. You're not. You're not going to, like, no one, owe, like, because no one's going to give you opportunities. Yeah. No one owes you anything. It's no true. one owes you nothing. Yeah. And like, so, like, I came out, I did kiddohood, I did adulthood. I thought I was going to be, like, one of the biggest, but I wasn't given that. So I had to hustle. Mm. I, I can only talk for me. I can't talk for anyone else. I'm yeah. talking from my experience. Yeah. Like, my experience might just, that's what I said. Like, no one journey is the same. My experience is unique. And so, for me, I, I just feel like everything that I've got since that kiddohood, adulthood, yep. I've hustled, man. I've hustled for it. Damn straight. No, that's a, that's, uh, those were some gems right there. I can't even lie to you. Like, it's so important to let people know the reality of, do you know what? You can't just be a pretty face. You need to work. And you can't just be, like, being good is not enough. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah, for real. Imagine being good, not being enough. That's, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's real, real food for thought right there, boy. But no, I feel like as well, you've touched on a really good point about drive. And um, after the success of Kidulthood, like still talking about, you know, when you're at the London School of Economics time, you had an opportunity to just pick one, I guess. Mm. You could maybe just carry on doing acting mm. as you have done anyway or you could have been like actually no let's just be a lawyer what what was the thought process around that time so i remember there's 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 about three things that happen so i do kiddohood in my first year of uni it comes out of my first year of uni and then i do adulthood in my final year of uni right and i remember i went to see my personal tutor and this woman I, I didn't see her for the whole of uni. Imagine that. I was bare, I was so anti at uni. I was, oh, wow. you know, like, because I went to London School of Economics. Is This is an elitist university. Yeah. And like I said, at this point, I'm from ENDS. I'm not from Nigeria. Yeah. And so I've got that ENDS mentality. I'm at this elitist university. All these, like, snobby, spoiled, yeah. um, super intelligent sometimes, but mostly snobby and spoiled kids. Yeah, that all went to private school. Yeah. They were a bit arrogant, a bit cocky, but I was arrogant and cocky because I was from ENDS. Yeah. And I was repping ENDS. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're from ENDS and you're young, you feel like you have to rep. It's true. That thing. Yeah. And like, whatever. Like, I feel like you, only people from ENDS get it. Yeah. That is that you're loyal to, to the ideal of being ENDS-ish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was a bit anti- and so, and also, what was weird about London School of Economics was that I was famous outside of uni, mm. but in uni I wasn't famous because those kids don't even watch films like Kidhood. Right. So then straight away, it was humbling because it's, and it's kept me humble since. People right. are like, oh, Femi, you're so humble. Because I realised that actually, if I stayed in ENDS or I went to a uni with mainly people from ENDS, yeah. I would have thought I was the most famous guy in the world. It's true. And behaved accordingly. Yeah. Because I went to this uni 
where basically I step off campus to go to the station. Yeah. At the station, people are stopping me to take pictures. Yeah. But on campus, no one cares. Fair. It was so humbling. And so it made me realise that actually your fame is relative. So unless you're Wolf Smith, like not everyone knows you. And so your fame is relative. So like from then, even when when I when I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, I'm well known within youth culture and black culture. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. But I, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't go to this uni. But anyway, cut a long story short, I was anti. So I go and see my personal... <laughs> I don't see my personal tutor the whole time. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't be bothered. So then I go and see my personal tutor. I saw her at the start of uni. I'm seeing her, like, because you have to now. Oh, right, right, see right. Her. I think you have to see her once a year. Okay. She's like, so what are you doing next? I say to her, oh, I want to do... Um, I, I, I might be going into law, but I'm also thinking about acting. I've done acting work, blah, blah, blah. She's like, really? And she says to me, when I was like your age, I got the opportunity to either do my final law exam or to go and start in one of the biggest soaps in Belgium. And I decided to do my law exam and here I am today. And she looked like she wanted to cry. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do the acting thing. <laughs> that persuaded me. See, do you know what? Yeah. God placed that woman right that persuade, there. <laughs> the reason that persuaded me was that actually I don't want to be in my 40s yeah. or late 30s, however old she was at the time. And almost crying to a kid oh saying, God. oh, I'm a lawyer, but I wish I was something else. Wow. But I still like had moments where I still like dabbled. I went to law interviews and stuff, but I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. I was only doing it because like it was an opportunity to make money or like right. it was quick. Like, yeah. you know, it was quicker than like, you know, following my dreams or whatever. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that that woman is the woman that was your mentor. Mm. That's in great. that moment. Imagine in, in that moment. That remember, crazy. I didn't. I've only seen this woman like she was one of my. Was she a teacher? She w- might have been one of my class teachers or se- seminar teachers. Right, yeah, but like I didn't really see her much. I had a two, three intimate conversations with wow. her. Wow, that was it. That conversation was supposed to happen. That changed my life. Clearly, yeah. clearly. Okay, so amazingly that she she, she yeah. convinced you to carry on with your passion and a talent that's clearly just natural to you um but when did you decide to cross over to directing so then i came out of uni it all kind of follows it's okay. fantastic so i came out of <laughs> your uni. life is in chronological yeah, order yeah, literally it is <laughs> so i came out of uni and i wanted to be an actor and for a year i wasn't really getting good acting work okay i was stressed yeah i was I was in depression. Really? Yeah, I would say that looking back now because I was famous. I was 21. I was famous, but I was broke. Right. Yeah, that hurts. I totally get that. Because I wasn't working. I didn't, I wasn't in the bill. I wasn't in any, I was just not working, right? So I didn't, I, I was auditioning. And Had I was, your co-stars been getting, getting roles? Well, you have to remember about my co-stars, yeah. Them lot have been acting since they were small children. Right. So right. Melamine is a stage school kid. Yeah. Adam Deacon went to Anishas. Right, yeah. Like, it was just me. I was new. Yeah. So these oh. are already, they're known in the industry. Yeah, so I'm they can even, get work. Yeah. I'm not even known in the industry. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm, like, new. I'm some kid. And I had a good agent, uh, like, who I got rid of. But I shouldn't have. Like, it's one of the things. Maybe I shouldn't have. Looking back, maybe I shouldn't have. But I got rid of this agent because I was frustrated at my lack of progression. Mm. At the time, I like I was at one of the biggest agencies in England. Wow. And so... um was frustrating yeah and so then my friend one of my best friends from uni he was like oh he was doing temp work at some council and he told me that funding for a short film to make a short film for a thousand pounds 
and that's I did that. Wow. And that was my first short film. It was called Fresh Off the Boat. It was like a semi-autobiographical piece about me moving from England to the UK. It yeah. was semi-autobiographical in that I just made it part of it up. Yeah. Like, but it was autobiographical in terms of like, you know, it was it was a big move. And um, yeah, and that was my first short film. That's amazing. And then um I've built from there. Like, and again, it was thanks to that's what I'm saying, like going to LSE was kind of like one of the it's more important than being in Kidod. I'll get you. Because like that same friend a few years later invested some money into the intent. Like, you know, so and then like the reason I do what I do is because I met this woman, like my personal tutor at Can LSE. You imagine? And like also I, the way I've been able to understand and structure deals is like in the on the production side because I've got a law degree. So 100. like it's probably the most important thing that's ever happened to me. And it opened my mind up to like what lied beyond ends. Yeah. Because I was very ends yeah. man. <laughs> As like, we've heard. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> it showed me that there was more to life than the ends. Definitely. That's so... Do you know what? I, I feel like there's so many moments there just alone, just being like the right time, the right place, the right experience has led to what you're doing mm. and um like you said your life is basically in chronological order which is beautiful to Martin. hear um so okay it sounds like you naturally have grasped acting you've naturally grasped writing mm. and producing and directing but um for anyone like you said you know you don't mind if people hop in your dms and like you know i really don't <laughs> want to ask you advice i might not stuff. get back to them yeah. straight away but Fair. i really do get back sometimes and eventually like some people are like send me mad DMs, but someone <laughs> today was like, I heard you talking to some white man on the plane about the intent free. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I no, I heard you talking. No, I have to read it to you. It's so hilarious. Someone actually DM'd someone you. Someone DM me, and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, who were you? Like, you were listening, eavesdropping on my conversation. So that means they were on the plane with you. They were, no, they, they said this. It's so hilarious. <laughs> Saw you at the airport talking to some white guy about the intent free. You don't know who Eyes. this person is? I've never met them before, my Oh, life. my gosh. <laughs> I had to post it. That is jokes. Spoiler. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love so that. Like, but, like, you know, but I'm going to reply to them because I've, like, posted Well, they them. clearly know all your business I now. I posted them as a joke. and But, like, the point is, ultimately, we... um. We um I'm open I'm an open door and I like to give information but at the moment only problem I've got is that I'm time poor so yeah. I can't really um I can't really help as much as I would like to. I mean I I feel like it's amazing that you're open to that in general because I feel like a lot of people don't know what to do if they want to start out in film if they want to start out in in TV and um like I said you've you kind of naturally been able to to fall into you know, like you said, funding is here or an opportunity is there, a network is there. So for you, what what would you say to someone that really wants to get in, into the film industry to start off? Depends what they want to do. Like, what do they want to do? Like, do they want to be a writer, director, That's a good question. actor? So like, well, to do acting, I think train. So like go to a drama school. Like I've got a personal, um, I've got a acting coach right. that I work with. I try to work with him every week. Sometimes I'm away, so I don't work with him. But yeah. like, if you want to be an actor, act. You need to practice acting. So it's like, if you want to be fit, you go to the gym. True. So why do you, if you want to be an actor, don't act? That is Because the frustrating thing about acting is that you have, it's one of the only art forms where you have to wait for permission to actually do your art form. I can't believe what you just said. 
<laughs> that is so real. And you so, actually have to wait for it to happen. Yeah, you need permission. So if you're a musician, you can go studio and record a song, or you can record it in your house. If you're an artist, a fine artist, you can draw. If you're, if you're, um, I don't know, I can't think of any other ones. But if you're an actor, you need permission to act. Wow. And so, whilst you wait for that permission, what do you do? Yeah. Now I used to do nothing as a young actor. I used to do nothing. Yeah. So I used to only get to act when I went into auditions. In America, people are training all the time. And British, there isn't a, a culture of actors training here. Yeah. So I would advise, like, you know, get a dialect coach, get an acting coach, save up money, get a part-time job, because not everyone's got peas, in it? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. get a part-time job and use some of that part-time job money yeah. to pay for acting lessons. Yeah. Because at sense. least you're always acting, you're always practising. And a lot of the time, I don't even want to go for my acting class. Even now, because like I said, I'm time poor. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not. I'm doing so much other business. So I'm producing, directing, doing all. But I force myself. I always go. I've got acting class tomorrow. That's sick. I do a one to one with an acting coach every week when I'm in England. When I'm not here, I say I'm not here. Blah blah blah. Sometimes we do it on Zoom, but most of the time I do. And I would recommend it for all actors yeah. at every level as well. Definitely. I mean, like, you you're, know, you're like proven. Kano that. gets acting. Like, everyone's like Kano is amazing, but he had to get acting. He, apparently, I heard he did acting coaching. Um, before doing the latest batch of Top Boys, yeah. Ashley Waters has acting coaching. Um, I think Idris, like so many people, yeah. like these are Hollywood actors. Like yeah. these are these these are like actors at the highest level of acting. Definitely. And so if they can do it, why not you? Yeah, it's true. Why not refine what you've already got going on? Yeah, get a dialect coach, get an acting coach, whatever you want to do. Like learn how to do it. I mean, learning, continuous learning is is an important skill set to build on definitely and so then i would um recommend that and what else would i recommend um directing it's good to just directing i a lot of young people want to be directors but i would say like just don't start out as a have that as your vision but like just go and be a runner on a big production because they're always looking for runners yeah i think i'm, I'm always looking for runners just oh. go and be a runner on something that everyone's is. always looking for runners because it's like basically it's that they pay you very little not as much as you want to get paid, even if you are getting paid more than other industries. Yeah. But if you're enthusiastic, people like you and they bring you on other productions. So be a runner, learn big production from there, go and do your own thing. And also sell, always create. So even if you're a runner on big productions, create with your friends, yeah. shoot little music videos, shoot short films, do whatever you can. My kids made a short film this morning. It blew my mind. <laughs> That's so lovely. Like, they made a short film on an iPad this morning, some spy thing. And I thought, it wasn't the littest thing in the world, <laughs> but I thought it was lit. Because How they, dare you critique no, them like that? No, because imagine I'm like, I'm like in my bed, but I could hear these guys doing something. And then I, I wake up and these guys are like, oh, we made a short film. <laughs> and then they showed it to me and it just blew my mind because they did that for breakfast. <laughs> for real? <laughs> that is inspiring. And I know, it's not like, obviously, oh, everyone's like, oh, their dad's a filmmaker, but I didn't tell them what to shoot. They did yeah. it themselves. Wow. It's clearly in, in the blood. Like my son, my younger son, one, my older son, he makes songs on GarageBand. He records them. He like, I've never taught him how to use GarageBand in my life. 
That's amazing. But you just have to do, like, you just have to keep doing. So whatever your creative pursuit is, always create space for you to do it. Like, you know, as I walked in and I met a young lady, she's like, I review raves. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, when, like, stuff like that, like, you just have to do. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you just have to do until you get permission to do. Definitely. But you shouldn't not do anything until you get permission. 100%. Shout out Romana. Love that. Big up Romana. (laughs) Love that. Well... You are a doer. Mm. You get things done. I mean, speaking of the intent, speaking of uh, it's a lot, like one of the first films that you really kind of established yourself as being a director. I mean, you've, you've come leaps and bounds from being, like you said, a young actor who was just new in the game to being one of the leading producers and directors in the UK right now. I mean, your collabs, this guy... I like I'm actually reading it and I'm thinking, raw, these are actually big boy brands. Mm. Netflix, Sky, Comedy Central, Universal Pictures. Like you've gone from very independent productions to big, big established collab- collaborations. Mm-hmm. Um, for you and your team, mm. how have you, as young black British creators, mm. been able to stand out and get these incredible credits and progress like by that? doing? Wow, just by like doing that. like you know, it's a lot. Was ours like, and we got managed to persuade a producer and a distribution company to finance it, but we were co-producers on that. Right, like our next film, the intent was completely created by us. Like we had people help us along the way, like yeah, Calvador, like my cousin Olu, um, the actors, a girl called Jade, a girl called Amel. Like we had a team. We always have a team. Yeah. But we 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 were in the trenches. Like when everybody else was gone to do other jobs or whatever, me and Nikki were in the trenches together, yeah. like making that project move forward. And all these people would say that, like you know. And so ultimately, like by doing those projects, we've been able to then attract other opportunities, right? Because of those projects. So would you say these kind of big brand collaborations have actually happened through networking. Yeah. Because is it is it the people that you've built relationships or is it actually the brands that you've built relationships I with? I think, like, Netflix, like, we, we made a film, they wanted to buy it and they bought it. Like, they right. licensed the intent and that was how we got into Netflix. And But it's a lot was on Netflix. Like, but yeah. Netflix wasn't that big then. Right. Just so happens that the intent went on Netflix as Netflix was getting big. Yeah, yeah. Do you get yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? And then the intent too, naturally, like we, because we had number one on there, and like yeah. we'd we'd Island Records financed that, and then we were in a position to again sell it to Netflix because they had number one already. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And then um with um the stuff that we've done with um so I wrote on Idris Elba's show Turn Up Charlie. Yep. Because someone at the production company had seen It's A Lot. Oh, wow. And they liked it. And I, even I don't like It's A Lot, but they liked it. And they, well, you know, you can be self-reflect. You With can your reflect old work. on your old work right, and just be like, you know what, that's not my best work. So, <laughs> like, and, and so they liked it. And then off the back of that, they offered me to come into the writer's room for Turn Up Charlie. Wow. And so... All your old work, good or bad, contributes to where you are now. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Right. And so then, off the back of that, I did... So, we did. I wrote on Turn Up Charlie, and then um, Comedy Central, 
I met this lady there, Rebecca Hewitt. She's cool. Like me and her been talking and she was like, they've got this project. What do I want to do on it? Do I want to produce, direct? What do I want to do? I was like, oh, I'll direct it. And then I did that off the back of that. But you say you, you met her. Like how, how do you meet these execs People like that? People just introducing me. Right. But your work is your best statement. Okay, yeah. Because people will see your work. Your work, if it's out there, people are more likely to see it before they see you. Of course, yeah. And so she'd see my work and then right. there was a family friend that worked at Viacom that introduced me. Right. And then when I was on a call with her and this other guy, Collins, he was like, oh, there's someone at the channel that always talks about you. Oh, wow. Until today, I still don't know who that is. Like, <laughs> But like, she's yeah. like, apparently she's obsessed with Uzot's work. And wow. Blah. Do you get what I'm saying? And so your work is your best. And so that's why I'm always like trying to do the best I can with what I have at a time. Yeah. And I'm, it's important to keep working. Because the more you work, that's the advert. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because it was you that actually told me, like, it's so important to have a credit. Because that, but even if it's the co-productions or even if it's just having, just having your name in the titles can really change the game. And that's what, that's what I've learned a lot of it as well. Like, you know, if you produced it, make sure you get that production credit. Yeah. If you get... Whatever you do, make sure you get the credit because, like you said, the work will be seen. Yeah, the work gets seen and, and, and that attracts other work. And mm. I think networking is good, but then people want to see your work. True. So you can meet people and then people want to see your work and you want to compel them to want to work with you. But now, luckily for me, I've been in the game for 18 years in lots of different guises. Yeah. As an actor, as a writer, as a producer, as a director. And so when people... In England, at least in America, it's a different conversation because, like, what, 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 doing business over there now? People don't know you; right. like, they have no reference. But in England, at least, people have reference for me. So yeah. people, if they don't know me, their friend knows me, or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, or they can just research me and they see the work. Yeah. But the work speaks for itself. And so, like, the 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 main goal is to do a do enough quality work to have a reputation. And eventually, do enough quality work to have a good rep- a reputation for pro- pro- for producing good work. So initially, try to do work, but eventually, try to do good work mm. or excellent work. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, okay, I like this. I like this. Okay, so I mentioned in the intro that you definitely. I mean, you mentioned you love being from the ends. <laughs> yeah, I do. You love representing your culture, yeah. where you're from, and that's both being Nigerian but also being Black British. Mm. And like, I know a lot of people like to throw around the phrase like "for the culture." We're doing this for the culture, but I genuinely believe mm. when you create work, you are literally representing your culture, and that is something. That's one of the things I love about you, your your work ethic and everything you're doing. You're like you're putting on people from from your your scene and your community, but you're also like really just pushing to to tell the stories, mm. which I think is beautiful. And I, I I think that's a big part of why the collaborations from my from what I see every collaboration. I'm like that makes sense because you're telling the story on behalf of us. Yeah on that platform and it makes sense the alignment so like you said island records collaborating with them makes perfect sense um why is it important to you that you represent because no one else is 
Right. In an authentic way, who else? Like, there aren't that many people. There are people, yeah. But like, I just feel like there's an opportunity. Black British people are the least represented people globally, right? Yeah. So it's like when you go. I said when I came to England, I was expecting it to be like Sound of Music. <laughs> yeah, that's because I didn't know what ends. I didn't was... know black British people like that. I didn't yeah. even know what it meant to be black British. Yeah, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like black. I didn't even know what Windrush was. It sounds mad. Like yeah. people talk about Windrush. What's that? I didn't even really know about slavery. They don't teach slavery in Nigeria in schools. Thank God for that. No, but you get my point though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't know about any of when I'm talking about oh, I was Nigerian, I had to learn to be black. That's that's mad. what I mean. Because I being black in England is slavery, is windrush, is yeah. rice and peas, it's all of the I didn't know any of that. I didn't yeah. know what it meant to be black. Wow. I knew what it meant to be Nigerian. Yeah, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? And so because of that, because of that, I feel like a burden to represent what it means to be black and British. Mm. That's understandable. Because I'm part of that, what that means now. Like when I was, you know, 25 years ago when I came to England, I wasn't part of what that meant. Right. Now I am part of that. Yeah. My children are part of that. Definitely. My partner's part of that. My fam, my sister's part of that. Yeah. And so I have to represent my sister. But I also have to represent my mum. Mm. I also have to represent, you know, I have to represent you. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. We grew up in the same area, kind of. Yeah. Like, so I have to represent you in my work. And I, I and and also, because I was at LSC, I saw because no I was at LSC, I made the biggest filming youth culture and black culture mm. no one at lse knew about it exactly they need to know so therein lies the opportunity like mm. it's like making content and i love content that allows me so we just did this documentary i know i'm jumping but we, <laughs> i'm not doing it in chronological <laughs> it's order, all right though. don't worry so don't we worry. just did this documentary like my production company i also directed it um called the evolution of black british music and for me that's a special documentary because no one's ever made a documentary showing how the journey of rave and rap culture mm -hmm. in the UK. Definitely. So there's a clear-cut link between jungle, garage, grime, road rap, drill, funky, yep. Afro swing. There's a link, Definitely. right? It's kind of linear. It's chronological. <laughs> like this, this should be the name of this podcast. <laughs> but like, but it is right. <laughs> but no one's ever made anything about that. That's yeah, mad. It's true. When you put it like that, it's so true. But you get my point. Yeah. So like, what what our challenge, uh, my challenge that I'm taking on is like making authentic content about forgotten stories, about for initially about black people, and ultimately about forgotten tribes okay so that could be black people that could be white people that could be anyone mm -hmm. but initially from a black british perspective but then on a secondary basis about it could be a story about some remote tribe in fiji eventually yeah. do you get what i'm saying yeah because they're forgotten and so i want to make sto a story that speaks authentically to them yeah. and authenticity is important to me 100%. so if i make a project in nigeria i want it to be authentically nigerian whilst not diluting i don't want to dilute anything yeah and those that's why the partnerships like you say like that's why i work with we've been able to work with island we've been able to work with um comedy central we've been able to work with bet been able to work with 
like Motown Records, yeah. been able to work with all these people because if you see like they've got strong cultural resonance exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly that. That is beautifully said. I like that. Um what is something that commissioners could do and production companies could do to support more black creators? Allow them First of all, stop pretending they don't exist and that you can't find them. Yeah. Second of all, stop diluting the narratives they want to tell. Oof. Yeah. Sit. Yeah, because like you said, they've a lot of companies have tried. Yeah, let's not dilute. <laughs> a lot of comp companies have diluted. Yeah. And so I just feel like what happens a lot of the time is dilution. Like people want to make things more like what they think things are rather than what things are mm, i hear that i totally hear that no this is beautiful stuff like you're definitely you're definitely doing it your way for now you know like you know i don't know i'm not even trying to say like i'm like the saving grace or no like, no or no like me and my business partner nikki like we're like the guys the only guys that do stuff about the culture and do, do, do. it's not even that what it is is I've travelled the world now, yeah? I'm mm. from ENDS. <laughs> I'm from Nigeria, and I'm from ENDS, and I've travelled the world. And I realise people don't know we exist. Yeah. That's wild. Like, people don't know there are black people in Britain. People don't know about youth culture in Britain. Yeah. And, like... They think we all sip tea and yeah, eat crumpets. Still. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, it's true. Still. When you go to America, they're like, oh, you're from London? Oh, do you know the Queen? No, and I don't know when the I'm talking, When I'm talking <laughs> about, when I'm talking about this documentary to Nigerians, they've never even heard of Jungle. They've never heard of Garage. Why would they? In a Nigerian rave, do they play Jungle and Garage? It's so true. Like, I'm so London. I did not even Think consider that. Wow. Guys, you don't need to listen to Jungle. You the know? only funky they know is the nail. Yeah, because only because he had African warrior. Yeah, not even because they thought it was funky. Oh my gosh, they just heard something familiar for them. Yeah, and wow, it's true, you know. Yeah, it's. Do time. you get my point? It's so time like, the stories are. Our thing's so parochial. It's so local. Yeah, but we need to be take that local to global. Definitely, definitely. Okay, you're speaking globally, but how do you do it? I'm sure there's loads of people like, yeah, cool, I've got ideas, but I'm broke. <laughs> like, where does the money come from, bro? Like, you're talking big, big, you know, concepts. But you don't need big, big concepts to get started. Like I said earlier, you need to start small, build small, and then you build a scene and then people gravitate towards that and then they, they give you the opportunity to go to the next level and then that takes you to the next level, then the next level, then the next level. So, okay, you mentioned you got funding for your first ever short film. Mm. Are you still looking for funding? Do you still... Yeah, I look for funding every time. Really? Like the documentary we made, it's not like my company is not... We can fund stuff because we've made generated revenue. And that's your own from business our work. money. Yeah. yeah. But we, it's not, we're not... We're independent company, though. We're yeah. not, we're not um, owned by a bigger entity. Right. And so um, my company can do stuff now because of that. However... Do I still look for funding? Yes. I, I still have to go and find funding for the intent free. I still have to go and find money for this and that and that. Wow. So it never stops? No, it never stops, but it's just a different level. 
Right. New levels, new devils. Okay, so there's a, a few more zeros on that yeah. funding. I mean, I mean that's it. But like, you always, you always need assistance. You always need funding. You always need like, you know. Yeah, you, there's more zeros, and like the bigger you get, the the more people, more money people expect to be paid on your right. things. Okay, okay, because the team has to be paid. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, at the end of the day, as much it's as a you, livelihood. Yes, people. It's a livelihood. It's like it's like you know, people have families, they have kids, they have rent, they have in energy bills have just gone up by forty <laughs> percent. Don't so, remind us. But do you get my point? So, yeah, one hundred percent. People have all of that to contend with, and yeah. so ultimately, people need to get like when you assemble a team. I was I just had a meeting with someone about film, and they're not from film; they're from music. And I was saying to them like, music is cheap to make. True, yeah. So you lot can make your song on your laptop, record it, get a hit, sell it to a record label for millions of pounds, yeah? And it costed you really less than five bags to make that song. Not even that these days. Not even that these days. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Film is not going to cost you five bags if it's going to be off scale. <laughs> yeah. And so the, 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 the barrier to entry is higher because it's so much more costly yeah. to create. Wow. So you got you got to be in it to win it basically yeah but it's harder to raise money but i think if you're a new filmmaker you've got an idea can pitch it to bigger production companies if you want to make it yourself figure out how to make it yourself assemble a team and then make it yourself yeah you the way you guys done the intent was actually quite yeah we raised all the money ourselves and then we made it that's crazy i, I don't think is that common no I was thinking that because... It's never been done. That's why I love the intent and it's like the project that I'm most proud of. I don't care what people say about why do you make street films all the time because it was fully financed by black people and it was put together completely by me and Nikki. That's amazing. And I've got to say, it was wonderful to see the credits, to see the all the names that were involved because just like what... It felt... Because I was at the premiere yeah. and I was like, yo... Everyone supported this. Well, think about that premiere, right? <laughs> think about that premiere. We paid for that. Wow. We hired out that cinema in Leicester, uh, in Piccadilly. Yeah, 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 yeah. We hired it out. We paid for that. And so we just, I think for me, like, I'm a maven and I'm a connector. So when I say I'm a maven, like, I've, I, I, I store information. Like, yeah. I like retaining information. And so educate yourself, man. Learn about the business. Like, whatever game you want to go into, if you basically, you can be a filmmaker and not care about commerce. Okay. If you want to make money from film, mm -hmm. you need to care about business. You need to care about commerce. If you want to make money, if you want to be a professional filmmaker. Yeah. I know we don't call it that, but you need to figure out the business. Right. If you want to be a professional musician. Mm-hmm. You need to know the business. It's true. Like, and then once you know the business, then you can try to get into the business. But if you know nothing, yeah, you have to understand the business. And like, you know, I'm learning new things about the business every day. But most of the time, you know, I, I like we've had the competitive edge because I've learned the business and I've, I've luckily I've met people. People have helped us as well. Yeah. And that's why I always like when people DM me, I can give the I, I'm willing because people have helped me with yeah. information. People have taught me stuff. Definitely. So information's key. So educate yourself about deals and deal structures and how things are put together in whatever industry you want to go into, film, acting, presenting, whatever it is. Mm. Just learn, read, watch YouTube videos. It's true. It's out there. 
It's definitely out there. Well, I think this brings us nicely to my favorite part of the mainstream podcast. Mm-hmm. The top five tips to make it. Wow. So you've made the big time, baby. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Listen, don't act like these big, big films and big, I'm big... I'm still going, I'm still going. I mean, you're allowed to go, but please, let me let me tell them. <laughs> yeah, He's on, made on, it in them. the mainstream. Tell them. Thank you very much. Thank you. Femi Oyeniran. Thank you. There you go. Um, <laughs> so, Femi, what are your top five tips to make it in the mainstream? So, just to give you a little overview as well. We talk about everything. Mm. We talk about, I mean, you've got a law degree. We talk mm. about getting lawyers. We talk about taxes. We talk about all these kind mm. of things. So, are there any... Like, you know, hard-hitting tips that these people need to be prepared for. I mean, I hate to repeat the same thing, but number one, stay educated, stay woke, study your craft, whatever the craft is. Yeah, know, Try to know everything about your industry. So watch, if you're an actor, watch TV shows, read scripts, do all of that. Stay across what's going on in law when you used to apply when i used to try to pretend i wanted to be a lawyer and apply <laughs> for law jobs they had this thing called commercial awareness okay which is like basically you had to know what was going on within the commercial space right you had to know what was going on within your industry basically so you need to have commercial awareness you need to know what's going on within the marketplace yeah so that's number one number two um pay your taxes <laughs> <laughs> and this country is good if you like don't pay your tax you can do like an agreement with them where you're paying like one pound a week so but they'll, they'll scare but you, you on the phone though. but they you still have to you. pay it like yeah. do you get what i'm saying so yeah. like you can always do an agreement with hmrc as long as you're paying your taxes if you're late it doesn't matter as long as you pay it you but can be on time please be on time but if you're late and or you don't have it you can do a payment plan true with the hmrc pay your taxes and then um i would say i've done two so i've got three more um, network man network I feel like I'm valuable because I can go into a room and I know Ramel and Ramel knows me so like when I say I know Ramel and someone goes and checks and says oh do you know Femi she says yeah do you get what I'm saying or like I can go into a room I can say I know D-Double mm. I know I don't know like name them Kano. But I really know these people. I yeah. don't actually know Kano. You know, I've never, I've met Kano once or twice. Oh, in my, I've met Kano twice in my life, yeah. He's like the only person I don't really know. Are you serious? Like, I, I, don't, you like, well, I don't really know Kano. <laughs> Is, isn't that funny? You're like, you said the only person. <laughs> no way. Imagine, like, I don't oh, really, wow. I don't really know Kano. It's weird. Like, I've, I've, we've been in two rooms together. Get him in your we next ma- film. We might have said hello to each other, <laughs> like, once. But I don't know Kano. Okay, I feel like... Isn't that's, that funny? That's, the reason I said it is because it's about to happen. Imagine we're making like, our list of people that I know. You say the one person. There we go. Genuinely it's, don't know. But yeah, so like build your network. So mm-hmm. like actually, if if you don't if you don't know them, if you don't know them, there's people that you know, right? And yeah. like, because I know you, I kind of can get access to those people. 100%. Like, oh, Ramel, I beg you put me in touch with this person. Yep. Oh, for what? I've got this really cool project. This nonsense, you might say no, but the point is that you know, like your network then becomes my network, yeah, and then definitely. my network then multiplies. You know what I mean? And so, like, ultimately, it's important that you network and you make sure that you're well known in the industry, or that people know you and people are aware of your work. And I've got these actors, yeah, some of them. I find it a bit irritating, but I think it's sick. They sent me an email about all their work. Oh wow! 
They do, like one actress I know, she's got a newsletter. I used to have a newsletter. <laughs> They're old school, but it's ultimately, old school. but you're keeping people across what yeah. you're doing. It's true. It's and good. when it's unique and all of that stuff. And so like, make sure you keep people across what you're doing because people are bombarded with information. Yeah. And, and you know, every so often... You might need to catch up with that person or have meetings with that person, but just to keep them across what you're up to. So I think your network is important. Good. And your network is your net worth, as they say. But I think it's kind of true. Yeah, 100%. And then um, I've got two more. I would say, like, when you do make money, your first bit of money, don't spend it all in one go. Good advice. Like, because in this industry, in the entertainment industry, you spend so long being broke. Yep. Anyone that's coming from the ends or like that's not from an affluent background that goes into in the in industry, any like name them, they've gone hungry in their journey. Oh, one hundred percent. In that they've had to get a part time job or this or that, they've gone hungry somewhere along the way, and so like when you do get that money, you're tempted to splurge. You're mm. tempted to like, you know, you you made it now. You might <laughs> you want to shine a bit, you know. Yeah. And but like always save man like you know I I remember like you know I don't use it I don't I don't remember the book properly but I remember I read this book the richest man in Babylon it gave like and it's an important book because it gives you a model on how to like save pay off your debt like you know budget for your day to day and like I remember when I read that book actually I applied it to my life That's good. and I didn't have that much money then and it worked yeah yeah <laughs> like do you get what i'm saying it worked i was able to to pay off my debt live save mm. even though it wasn't a lot it was like i've got 100 pounds and 20 percent is going towards my saving mm -hmm. 20 or 30 percent is going towards my debt and 50 percent is going towards everything else and i was li living within those means yep do you know what i mean yeah so like look after money when it comes your way and i would say like rule number five like just be nice. Oh, beautifully said. I don't even think I need to elaborate. You actually don't have to because that is simple yet so effective. Ah, oh, Femi. Now, okay, I have to say on the podcast publicly, I turn to Femi a lot for ideas and just like to to check through where I'm at in the industry because he genuinely is a nice person who does oh, give time. That. No, you honestly always give time and you encourage me. I think that's an important thing. Mm. You've always encouraged me to be like, no, don't worry. Don't watch everyone else. Just keep doing what you're doing. Because yeah. persistence, consistency, all these things you've mentioned, these are the things that you keep on reminding me. I'm like, do you know what? Okay, we go again. Yeah. Because even when you get knocked back, you go again. Absolutely. You never know what's going to happen. And yeah, man, I just have to say that publicly. Thank you. No, man, thank being... you. You know what? I've always, like, I remember, like, when we first connected, I've always, like, been a fan of your work. And I always thought that, you know, for me, like, you deserve all the opportunities that you're getting and that you're going to get because, like, you've, you. all, you've been consistent. And I feel like the industry, the industry doesn't always reward us when we want to be rewarded. Did, but like as long as we keep going yeah i think like the, like you just have to keep going i realize that like, people now say oh my gosh femi like you're doing so well you're doing this you're doing that but i remember when i was trying to do yeah and it wasn't connecting nothing was sticking yeah and like you know and i've got to a phase now where things are sticking but like, there's still areas of my of my of me 
or all my work that are insecure, but I just keep going. Yeah. And that, that's the one tip that I learned is that, you know, uh, I've never got to that place where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, you want more. You want more progression. That's and true. I always felt like, you know, for me, every time we've met, even though you might not see it, you've grown even more than last time. Yeah. And, like, sometimes we meet, like, a year, two years. Or, yeah. like, but, like, I, but it's, it takes time. It's incremental. Definitely. It's definitely. incremental. Everything is incremental. It's all about incremental growth. Like, and some people come out and they blow straight away. But it's all about increment. Like you know, you look at someone like Tate Mo, mm. comedian. Like he's been about for a time. Time, but then he's new talent. It's mad. <laughs> this industry will. Oh. Do you get what I'm saying? They're, they're so not like, slapping a new yeah, on it. I, I remember Mo, like you know, at those comedy shows that Kojo used to put on. Yeah, remember Mo at Sunday show. Yeah, remember like you know, and but ultimately, but he's in a weird way, he is new. Yeah, he's new to this. Of a new space, yeah, and he's one. He's like probably like the most recognizable black young black guy in our generation in Britain, one hundred percent, right now. But he's been about doing his thing for years and years and killing it, yeah. Like, and so ultimately, for me, it's about. I've seen Mo's journey. I've seen like people like Tiny Temper. Mm. Like I've seen people like that. I came up with. I remember being with them. Not in the trenches because they weren't my brethren like yeah. that, but I remember seeing them working. Definitely. And now they're where they're supposed to be. Definitely. Whereas, like, there's people that come out and blow like a year later and that's it. Yeah. So, like, you know, there's just everyone has, going back to what I said at the start, we all have our unique journeys. 100%. But the main thing is stay consistent, persevere, keep going, and, like, you know, you get where God wants to take you. Amen. Amen. Pasta Femi has finished. Yeah. <laughs> now, thank you so much. So, Femi, let us know what can we look forward to for 2022 with you, your productions, your shows, everything. So I've made the music, the definitive Black British music documentary. That's Jeez. what I like to call it. The evolution of Black British music, which looks at Black British music for, um, music originated by black British people in the past 35 years Imagine. so like scenes that were unique to the culture such as like jungle which I mentioned earlier UK garage um, grime afro swing funky house all these scenes road rap and drill that were pioneered in the UK yeah these are scenes that came out of here and so for me was spotlighting that you know sort of producers musicians DJs execs fans of that scene mm. Ramel's in it um, Ramel's yes. in it Ramel's in it in, in our episode 4 She's in the Funky House episode Of and course so Ultimately <laughs> Like you know we, we, We've we just I think we've put together Like you know The first documentary That looks at Not just grime mm. Looks at all the scenes That were originated here, And I think it's fantastic That's out in July uh, On BET um, UK and Ireland And then we're, we're Gonna take it Somewhere Internationally We're still doing that Sick. deal and then um, we've got um, um, a film called Trapping, which is um, a film looking at county lines. So it's about a kid called Daz who begs one of the olders in his ends to take him to the countryside to sell drugs for him. Wow. And um, it doesn't go as well as he thought it would. Well, damn. And so that's starring a lot of new talent, Dylan Doffus, but like it's got Abracadabra in his first role and he's... What? Incredible, oh my it? gosh that's sick that's so exciting yeah i'm so excited for that 
Um, has that got a home yet? Not yet. Okay. Um, um, but it'll be out this year. That's it. And then um, we're finishing that off as we speak. And then the next thing that we've got is um, we're making a film this year called Napa, which is like in between us, set back in the day, it's like in between us meets like, you know, black British culture. Yeah. And it's um it's about these kids that go on their first holiday ever to Ayanapa. Oh my gosh, it sounds so good already. Yeah, they're, they're also a grime crew and they're trying to make it in Napa, like trying to make impact in Napa. No, I'm and, gassed. And that's um that's our next movie. And that will probably come out next year. We're aiming to shoot that this summer. Oh my gosh, I love that. So many different stories. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that was a challenge. And obviously there's the intent three that we want to make next year. Amazing. And there's like a bunch of other stuff that we're trying to do in America. And that but the the the, the thing is, the important thing to us is like when we first started out, everyone was accusing us of like just making films about street culture. Yeah. And like like I said, I'm passionate about ends. I like street films, I like crime films. But at the same time, there's like there are a plethora of experiences that we go through as black British people, as young people mm. that I wanted to portray on screen. And Napa's part of that journey. Definitely. Um the Napa's part of that journey. But the evolution of Black British music is part of that journey, yeah. and like trapping is part of that journey. Yeah. And so all these, I want to like be the home. Really, what I want to do, I'll tell you the truth. Okay. I want my production company to be the home of Black British and youth content. Cheese. Yeah, I have to clap for that because... That's what I want. That's my dream. That's a beautiful, beautiful... That's my dream because... Not even dream. That's a beautiful goal yeah, which you're already carving into. Because no one else wants to assume that space. And I don't mind assuming that space. And, like, and, and that's not to say that I, I don't want to make films that don't have black people in them. No, it's like... But I want my company, though. Yeah. That's what I want my company to represent. Definitely. Tyler Perry's already... You know, carved out an I mean, incredible. There's Tyler Perry, there's Will Packer. Will Packer, 100%. There's so many people that, for, for me, like their models work, Definitely. but there's no one replicating that here. Exactly that. Exactly that. And you are doing it. We already said it. You're a doer. We love it. Amen. Thank you so much, Femi. Please let them know where they can follow and find you. It's um, at Femi Oye Niran on every social media platform. I think I'm even on TikTok, but I don't use it. What? Yeah, yeah, but Is I don't it? use it. I don't, Doing your dances, I don't do yeah? dances. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use TikTok yet. Um, um, but um, it's Femi Oye Niran. So on TikTok, the O is a zero. And um, so it's just my name. On Not every you plug in TikTok. Yeah, but I think TikTok's lit. Like it you is, know, though, like, I'll be honest. I think I think um, it's evolved or be extinct, isn't it? And mm. so uh, and and so that's where people are consuming their content now. Their short form content. So you have to be part of it. And so um, saw my son on YouTube, YouTube Shorts the other day. I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. YouTube Shorts is like. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I know TikTok, <laughs> and I was like, no, I didn't know. Oh, you need to get on there. Like, I saw my son. I was like, what is this? Like, you know. But yeah, and but ultimately, I suppose for me, it's um, it's about being available wherever people are and being able to speak to people wherever they are. I hear that. So I'm on. I'm my name on every social media platform. Check me out. Give me a follow if you have any questions that I've not answered or touched on. Hit me up, like, and I will eventually get back. Love that. Thank you so much, Femi, for joining us on The Mainstream. Thanks for having me, Ramelma. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.